You are listening to episode 53 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a talk on the difference between aerobic and neuromuscular fitness. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I am your host, Nicholas. This episode features a talk on aerobic versus neuromuscular fitness. I will be delving into what aerobic and neuromuscular fitness both are, how to improve your neuromuscular fitness, and then how to know if you are more of an aerobic or a neuromuscular athlete. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, let me give you a quick rundown. This show is your go-to source for in-depth training analysis, valuable training tips, unbiased and reliable physiology and science, and so much more. Whether you're a beginner runner taking your first strides or an experienced runner aiming for new heights, the Sunday Shakeout provides you with the information you need to run faster, stay injury-free, and most importantly, stay happy on your running journey. So let's accept those shoes, hit the road, and dive into the world of aerobic and neuromuscular training. Without further ado, please enjoy my guide to aerobic versus neuromuscular fitness. So, something that a lot of new runners get wrong is they think that mileage is all that counts. You know, I'm just going to go out the door and run every single day, and I'm just going to try to stack as many miles as I can, one on top of the other. But here's the thing, training is much more than just the mileage, because you cannot expect to achieve your true potential if you simply go out the door and run. You know, maybe I'll add a few miles on every week, but overall, I'm just going to go out and run. No, that is not the whole picture. See, you have to look at training like soup. Soup is a mixture of all of these ingredients, just like training. And if you forget to put an ingredient in the soup, or if you put in too much of a certain ingredient, then the soup won't turn out great. Likewise, if you're training, if you simply add in the running, then, well, your training is not going to turn out so good. It's going to be pretty good, but it's not going to be the best soup it could be. Because if all there was to running was going out the door and running, then everybody would be good. So today, I want to talk about the other element besides aerobic fitness, which, you know, we all think of as running. I want to talk about neuromuscular fitness and aerobic fitness, how you train both systems, and then how you figure out if you are more neuromuscular or if you are more aerobic. And then, how you can apply that so that you can train to be- breed the best results possible so that when you you are on the starting line on race day, you are your best self fitness-wise. <sighs> A lot of my episodes have been nitty-gritty. I've been talking about zone 2, threshold, VO2 max, mileage, long runs, all that stuff. But I think that for a lot of newer runners, that stuff can be confusing right off the bat. So today, I want to talk more broadly. I want to talk bigger picture, much more general. And hopefully because of that, the stuff I share today brings all of the pieces of the puzzle together. So let's just start by talking about aerobic fitness. You know, when you look at all the top runners in the sport of running, whether that's Kelvin Kiptum, the marathon world record holder, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the 1500-meter, you know, Olympic champion, a whole bunch of world record holders in the distance events. All of those top runners are able to consume oxygen at a very high rate while running fast. 
In other words, they have a large aerobic capacity. But why is oxygen so important? Because it plays a direct role in releasing energy in the muscle cells. The muscles are also able to release energy without oxygen or anaerobically. Now, the anaerobic system is suited for much faster efforts. The anaerobic system as great, is great at providing lots of energy in the form of carbohydrates quickly to meet a spike in intensity. But here's the thing, the anaerobic system is very inefficient and it is short lasting, and therefore it is not what you need for long distance running. It's also important to note that the aerobic system burns fat as fuel, and fat is the body's most abundant energy source. And so you could essentially run all day on fat because fat stores last for a long time. So that is really what I was talking about with zone 2 training in episode 48. How can we burn fat as fuel more efficiently? Through zone 2 training and that will help build a base of aerobic fitness and you will ultimately be running much better. So there is a connection there, you know, I'm not just talking about zone 2 to talk about zone 2, I'm talking about zone 2 because it is really important and it makes sense. And also, if we are looking at where your body goes from all aerobic to a little bit anaerobic, we would be looking at the aerobic threshold. See, the body is always using carbohydrates as fuel to some degree, even if it's minuscule. But if we were looking at the point where the body begins to have a bigger contribution of carbs for energy, that would be your aerobic threshold. On a graph, you would see an infliction point where the lactate levels increase, known as the first infliction point. That is where the anaerobic system comes into play a little more, even though, of course, it is still mostly aerobic. But then, there's a shift where the body goes from working mostly aerobic to now working mostly anaerobic. That point is your anaerobic threshold. Your body goes from using fat as its primary fuel source to using carbs. On the graph, you would see another exponential increase in lactate, so we would just call that the second inflection point. It's very simple. So, so all this stuff is pretty connected, and I hope that my explanation here has tied everything together that I've been talking about on this podcast as far as intensities go. But how do you improve your aerobic fitness? Overall, you need to be doing low-intensity zone 2 training about 80-70% of the time, maybe even 90 if you are, are, are a newer runner, and this low-intensity zone 2 training will do a great job of improving your fat oxidation, your mitochondrial function, as well as your overall cardiovascular fitness and the efficiency of your heart and lungs. Those are all things that good distance runners have. Zone 2 is mainly easy, steady runs and long runs, and then you should probably be doing some work at the thresholds, and that is aerobic fitness. Very, very important. You probably heard all about aerobic fitness. Now let me take a drink of water. Sorry, that was my water cup. Alright, we've talked about aerobic fitness. Now let's talk about neuromuscular fitness. Because while aerobic fitness is extremely important, that is only one side of the coin. Because there is this thing called neuromuscular fitness. Very simply, neuromuscular fitness is the communication between your brain and your muscles. It's really all about stride power, stride efficiency, and fatigue resistance. And so, if you can improve your brain muscle communication, well then, you are likely going to see an increase in, increase in your power efficiency, running economy, and fatigue resistance. <sighs> see, training is not all about maximizing your aerobic system or your threshold or any of that stuff. That can be a goal, but we runners train to maximize running performance itself. And because of that, 
training has to be balanced enough to develop your, your both your aerobic and your neuromuscular fitness. Because while it is advertised that the Ingebrigtsons do do a lot of threshold, which is true, their training is much more than that. Their training is a training model, and it encompasses a lot of things, not just threshold. They do easy lungs, long, long runs, threshold, yes, but they also do strides, mobility work, and a good gym program. So you could argue that without threshold, the Ingebrigtsons wouldn't be as good. But you could equally argue that if they didn't do the gym work, the strides, and the neuromuscular work, that which is what we're going to talk about in a second, you could argue that if they didn't do that stuff, then they would also not be nearly as good. So in training, you have to balance the neuromuscular and the aerobic stuff. That is how you get better. Now let's talk about how to improve your neuromuscular fitness. There are three main ways to improve your neuromuscular fitness. They are strides, hill sprints, and strength training. Let's first talk about strides. Here's the thing. You must maintain good form while running fast, and that puts a big demand on their neuromuscular system. Therefore, running near maximal speed trains the neuromuscular system. This will optimize running form, running economy, efficiency, and even speed. And strides do just that. They run right near max speed. They're about 100 meter accelerations to 95% of your max speed. You do about four to six of them after your easy runs two to three times per week. Try maintaining good form, and that is a great way to work on neuromuscular fitness. It's a great way to get in a little bit of speed work. You know, Jason Fitzgerald calls it touching speed. You're not really necessarily going hard, because there's a difference between running hard and running fast. Strides do a good job of you running fast, but not necessarily running hard. And so strides, 100 meter accelerations, do two to three of them after, do two to three sets of four to six after your run um, two to three times per week, and that will do wonders for your neuromuscular fitness. You can also do hill sprints, which are all out eight to 10 second sprints up the steepest hill you can find. Hill sprints challenge the nervous system to generate high forces while resisting fatigue. They also stimulate form improvements linked to power generation and stride length, as well as increasing running specific strength and power. So hill sprints are great, especially for beginners. They build power, strength, start with just one or two, once or twice per week, and then build up over the course of a few weeks. And once you get to 10 8 second hill sprints, start to move up to 10 second hill sprints. That will be that will do also do great things for your neuromuscular fitness and your strength in general. See, these are sneaky things that you could add into your training. But strength training is something that I think is non-negotiable, and that is the last thing you can do for your neuromuscular fitness. See, strength training greatly reduces your injury risk, and it also improves your neuromuscular fitness, specifically by lifting heavy weights. With heavy weights, you are recruiting a lot of muscle fibers, and therefore improving your brain's communication to the muscles, which carries over greatly in running to maintain good form and resist fatigue. See, to improve neuromuscular fitness, you need to get in the gym with heavy weights. Not super heavy, but think about explosive and complex movements like squats, lunges, deadlifts, and overhead presses, as well as proprioceptive training, which is all about like unstable environments. And that includes single leg exercises, and all of that will greatly help your neuromuscular fitness. You will feel much more efficient and sharp when you run, and you will have a much better time resisting fatigue. Now, let's get into the second and final part of this episode. 
which is talking about whether you are an aerobic or a neuromuscular runner, or as Greg McMillan likes to call it, a speedster or an aerobic monster. Or, I think it's, uh, it's an endurance monster, my bad. My bad, Greg McMillan. So, let's get into this topic. Aerobic workouts, like we talked about, are stuff like threshold, you know, half marathon, marathon work. And then we talked about all about neuromuscular training. We've talked about hill sprints, strides, strength training. But the thing is, those aren't really workouts. Those are like things that you do after your runs. Strides, hill sprints, strength training, that's all really important and they should definitely be added into your training, but they are not workouts. But there are specific workouts, race-specific workouts. And race-specific workouts, it's all about hitting race pace. It doesn't have to be super hard, but it's about doing it three to four weeks out from race day. And specific workouts really do a great job of priming the nervous system for racing. It's a culmination of aerobic and neuromuscular training. You know, there are some athletes that I like to call neuromuscular athletes. And neuromuscular athletes need race-based training at least four weeks out from race day, and normally every two to three weeks throughout the season. Again, it doesn't have to be hard, but these neuromuscular athletes perform much better after these specific workouts. However, there are also some people who do better with only aerobic training in strides or hill sprints, and those would be aerobic athletes. Now, when aerobic athletes do do specific workouts, their nervous system can often get fried, they can get sore and exhausted, and they don't race well. So it's really important to know what type of runner you are, either aerobic or neuromuscular. Aerobic athletes generally need less intensity and higher mileage, because when they do do a lot of, a lot of workouts, they don't directly correlate to race performance. And if that's the case, that's a sign that you are an aerobic athlete because you're doing a lot of training with not a lot of intensity. Let's say you're an aerobic athlete, right? Doing a lot of threshold, you know, mileage, right? But then there are also aerobic, uh, sorry, neuromuscular athletes, and that is the other side of the coin. And they love doing short track workouts. That is what they thrive off of. And see, that is the complete opposite of aerobic athletes. And so, you know, it's really key to just know where you are. And there are some keys that you can look out for. Aerobic athletes generally do better off of less races, aerobic work, and strides. Hard workouts don't generally correlate with good race results. So for example, if you are training for the mile and you do 8 by 400 at race pace in 80 seconds per repeat, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to run 520 per the mile, which is what 80 seconds per 400 correlates to. Neuromuscular runners, on the other hand, do better with more races and more hard workouts to get in a rhythm. So there's a bit of a contrast there, but it's important to note that you aren't just one or the other. You are not just an aerobic or a neuromuscular runner. Neuromuscular runners rely on running economy and, aerobics, and aerobic runners rely on threshold, but neither type of runner should ignore the other type of training. Let me take a drink of water. For example, the Ingebrigtsons are much more aerobic oriented. And they do a lot of threshold, but they still do strides and hill 200s. It's not just one or the other. Likewise, a 10 miler neuromuscular runner does a lot of specific work, but they would still do threshold, long runs, and aerobic workouts. And then for an aerobic 10 miler, you know, for example, they might do, for like a workout scenario, they might do two miles at threshold, two miles at race pace, and two miles at threshold. So they would be doing mostly aerobic work, but they would still get some specific work sprinkled in. So just because you are more aerobic doesn't mean that you should be doing threshold all the time. So variety is key. 
Now, let's talk about some determining factors to know whether you are an aerobic or a neuromuscular runner. You know, for marathoners and half-marathon runners, most of their training is already aerobic, just by the nature of their training for the demands of their race. So for them, to determine if they are aerobic or neuromuscular, I would say they need to try some shorter races, like the 5k. Try to do many of these 5k's in a row, like in the competition phase, every single Saturday. And if you start to drop off by the fourth one, you are probably an aerobic runner. And so, if you are an aerobic half marathon or marathon runner, you know, doing threshold, half marathon, and marathon pace work, that would give you the most benefit. But for neuromuscular half marathon and marathon runners, it becomes a little more difficult. But I think that in this case, I think that intensity would be the key. I think that it would be best for you neuromuscular marathon or half marathon runners to do a modified session within the long run. You should probably be doing that like every other week instead of increasing the mileage. For example, you might do 16 miles easy the first week, but then the next week you would do a session or a progression run of 5 minutes marathon pace or half marathon pace and 5 minutes off. But don't be afraid to do hard workouts and fail within the specific work. Alright, there are two more things that I want to just briefly discuss before we close out this episode. The first thing is, do shorter races and have variety with the races you race. Don't be doing marathons all year long. Maybe do you do one season of marathoning per year, and then you do one or two other seasons of shorter races like 5Ks and 10Ks. Because if you fail a marathon, it's not like you can come back, come back again next weekend and try again. Your body's trashed. But if you have a bad 5K or a bad mile race, you can simply come back again and do one next week. You just can't do that with the marathon. So do shorter races and have some variety. The second thing is, along the lines of variety, Variety is key for training sessions and races, because the longer you go, the less muscle activation you get, and so you put a lot of stress on the Achilles, and the plantar fascia, the knees and the hips. It's almost like your muscles go dormant, and so there is just this constant stress on passive ligaments, and joints, and t tissues, and all those things. And so you really gotta dial in the things around the training. You know, the strength training, the strides, the hill sprints, the, the activation routines, and that will wake the muscles up and you will be able to run much better. And then to prevent this from even happening in the first place, you should probably do some like workouts. Like don't just be running out the door every day. Don't just be doing threshold. Do some op stuff to open up the legs. Like do some strides, do some hill sprints, do some specific work. And when the muscles are woken up and when you do do those workouts, I guess you could say there will be a lot less stress on passive joints and ligaments. And so your running will be a lot better. But that's all I got. Thank you for listening to episode 53 of the Sunday Shakeout. I hope this episode was really insightful, and I think this is actually the one-year anniversary of this podcast, which is actually pretty incredible. Yes, I know there are 52 weeks in a year, but I believe that the first time I posted, uh, I actually posted two episodes in the same weekend, so they, really this is the 52nd week, which is one-year anniversary, so happy Sunday shakeout, everybody. This is pretty crazy. You know, I was listening to some of my episodes, and some, some of my friends were this past week, and they were like, dang, your voice has changed a lot since, like, episode 2, episode, even episode, like, 30, my, my voice has kind of changed a bit. So, I find that kind of funny. I guess I'm going through it right now, but that's, uh, that's interesting, and I'm pretty happy with where this podcast is going right now. I think that I'm producing some really good content. Uh, last week was a little bit shaky, but I think that this week's going to get us back on track. So, I'm pretty happy about all this stuff. I have a whole bunch of new content lined up for you guys. I hope that this episode and all the others, all the other episodes are pretty insightful. I hope that, you know, you guys are all gaining a lot from this podcast. That's the ultimate goal here. 
And I just want to thank you all so much for the support, the continued support over this past year. You guys are the ones who really do support me and keep the lights on. You guys are the ones who keep me motivated when I look at my Spotify analytics every day. We just hit like 2,400 plays, which is pretty cool. So I'm just really ecstatic for where this podcast is going. And hopefully someday, you know, I'll be able to get a sponsor and all that stuff. But for now, I'm just enjoying the moment. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. Again, thank you all so much for your continued support over this past year. Hopefully we can keep on doing it for two, three, four, five, however many years. Thank you for your participation down in the polls below. In fact, there's somebody who selected that they wanted this episode this week, so I'm choosing this episode, Neuromuscular versus the Aerobic System. Very important stuff, and I hope that you all can take some stuff away from this episode, but, you know, if you have any questions regarding anything running, feel free to reach out to me at thesundayshakeout at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, but hope you all really enjoy your day, and uh, peace out. This is The Sunday Shakeout. <laughs>